Welcome to Tee Up Logistics Insights, presented by iDrive Logistics and ShipCaddy. Our hosts take a deep dive into logistics, supply chain, and small parcel shipping with special emphasis on the landscape of the e-commerce industry and behind the scenes of the warehouses supporting the backbone of American business. Here we go. Well, here we go. Dos hombres. Dos hombres. I'm, wor- I'm worried that's trademark. It could be trademark. So we got to think of something else. We do. Uh, dos jefes. What's the name of uh, the guy, the two that crew in Vegas? Two guys? Magicians? Oh, oh. Key and Peel. No, no. Not Key and Peel. I'm sorry. Um, uh, I know who you're talking about. Um, the tall dude and the. Yeah, we could do that. Who are they? Why am I going blank on this? You suddenly? would know those people more than anybody. I do know them. Um, I'm going blank. Now you're killing me. We don't want to be them. All right. All right. Fair enough. All right. I think at least in, in today's imbalance supply and demand and supply chain, I don't know if there's a tremendous value in uh, an expedited delivery. Frankly, I think you're setting yourself up for some frustrated buying experiences in that circumstance. You can execute perfectly as a shipper and you hand that off right to the carrier. If they drop the ball, it's not bad on them. It's bad on you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Heck, didn't we, I mean, I, I think there's an article or a study out there that talked about, here it is. Yeah, I think there was a, a ship station survey on, on customer shipping expectations. 87% of buyers say the shipping and delivery experience directly impacts their decision to shop with the merchant again. That makes sense. I believe it. I feel it. I do too. And, and hey, it's wonderful when you have great brand recognition and a devout consumer base that's fantastic you know we have some clients here in the salt lake city area that that do a phenomenal job of that but uh most companies don't have that benefit and frankly even with that devout consumer base how many bad experiences you're going to have before you start looking somewhere else right so from my from my perspective you start building an expectation hey pay a premium and you can have it delivered next day pay a premium you can have it delivered in two days i believe you're setting yourself up for a big flop i believe it so. I believe it, Glenn. I got a funny story about that. It's, it's non-shipping related. Do you want to hear it? I do. Okay. So uh, I don't think it's the same study that you just brought up, but there was there there are some studies right that uh, around the uh, percentage of consumers that will walk away after several bad experiences. The number that I have is fifty nine percent of of consumers will walk away after bad uh, or after several bad experiences, with seventeen percent after just one bad experience. So I thought about the last bad experience I had with a product I tried. And believe it or not, it was a car wash. So I went to this car wash that I've been going to for two years. Okay. Go through the car wash. Not a problem in the two years I've used it. About once a week. Been there a hundred times. Go through the car wash and uh, mid car wash, my car's been sprayed, everything. And the car wash shuts off. And I'm stuck in the car wash. I'm stuck in there for like 10 minutes. I can't, I mean, what am I supposed to do? There's a gate in front of me. Cars completely. Well, I've never experienced that. You never had that. I, I I don't know if I want to experience that. No, it was it was the most one of the most interesting experience I've had. The point but is, one thing you're wondering is anybody even aware? No, exactly. There's there's a camera up in left hand corner, obviously, and I'm trying to wave at the camera you're from my car with my car covered completely windshield, and uh, and then finally it starts to kind of clear away, and there's a little tiny plaque that says, "If you're stuck, call this number." 
So I call the number and the guy answers, says, yeah, I can see you on the camera. You've been in there for about 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes. And I said, yeah. And he says, well, I don't know what's going on. Let me get, get you out of there. He was remote. You know, it was, it was uh, automated. Mm-hmm. And uh, he got me out and I vowed never to go back to the car wash because of the one experience, even after a hundred good experiences, I still won't go back to that car wash because I don't want to get stuck in it again. Right. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can see why consumers after a bad experience don't want to go back to a, a product. Right. And, and shipping is, is probably the most liability a, a company has because it's out of their hands. Right. It is. And that brings up an interesting, I think another interesting side point too, Jake. How many times have you or I sat down with a client and they just view shipping carriers as a true commodity and it's just a race for them to the lowest common denominator? Right. Often. Many times. Many Many times. times, Right. Right. I think that's very short-sighted, Jake. Okay. I think that's a big mistake for the reason you just explained. My car wash example? Your car wash example. You're not making fun of me, are you? No. (laughs) Although I do look for reasons for that. Yeah, okay, good. Fair enough. We're talking about contingencies. We're talking about multi-sourcing. I think there has to be some balance and some some rationalization of, of advocating this. Every carrier is not the same. Every carrier has a different delivery experience. Okay, hold on a sec. Hold on. Let me make sure I understand this. You're saying FedEx and UPS, who are always lumped together. You're telling right now you're you're saying they're very different. Very different. Okay. My goodness. Let's look at it for a second. So first of all, UPS, largest employer of the Teamsters in the world. They have a delivery network that is truly intermodal. What I mean by that is you pull over any UPS package car, it's going to be full of every service level that UPS offers within their small package portfolio. Okay. Uh and the same on the pickup. Okay. You can put all of your product for UPS for one pickup, right? Same driver will be making that pickup. Now you, you contrast that to FedEx. FedEx has different networks. FedEx put themselves on the map saying if it absolutely positively has to be there overnight. They built out this phenomenal express network. Late 90s, they eyeballed this up-and-coming round carrier called RPS, acquired them, and developed this FedEx round product. Entirely independent network. There's some real reasons why they've kept it independent. They don't want to be the largest employer of the Teamsters. Makes sense. Yeah, makes sense, Glenn. So now you have private contractors making the deliveries in the FedEx round environment. But wait a minute. There's more to that. Now you have an entire e-commerce strategy for the direct-to-consumer delivery in the FedEx environment called home delivery. So If you're a shipper, you have to execute much differently on the shipping dock in the distribution center than you do with UPS. You have to ensure that you're identifying residential versus commercial deliveries accurately up front. Okay. And you have one of three different drivers that could be delivering your product to your consumer. So it's different, right? And, And let's face it, if you're a private contractor, the, the ability of FedEx to control the, the image, the presentation of the driver is a little different than a UPS who's dealing with a true employee and appearance standards. That makes sense. That's logical. That makes sense. So I have an interesting story for you on this. And, and we, we have to break this out to regional carriers as well. Not every regional carrier is the same. So I had a client, very, very large name brand, if you heard them, 
they're marketing geniuses and anybody with a, a wife or a girlfriend, I guarantee you knows who they are because they're in the, the beauty industry big okay. time across all the different verticals. One of their particular verticals is they provide a lot of supplies to salons, one of their particular channels. So those are predominantly B2B shipments. They're heavier weight. And because they're going to salon owners or a salon contractor who just runs a chair, they don't have good business credit. So okay. there's a lot of CODs. Okay. CODs. Cash on delivery. There we go. Okay. Okay. So they were doing a quick race to the bottom of the barrel, get the cheapest option out there. There was a regional carrier that came out and gave, provided phenomenal rates. They decided to make a change from a UPS in this situation to this regional carrier for the sake of saving money. But what they failed to consider was the delivery experience. Makes sense. So now we go from an environment where you have a UPS driver with their appearance standards, with their uniform, and the fact that they've been delivering on that route for the last 15 years, and the salon owner probably knows the name of their children, right? to an ununiformed, not well-groomed individual coming into the salon and asking for money. How do you think it went? Oh, horrible. It did. It went but how bad. did they not see that up front? They had blinders on. Okay. They were operating in a supply chain vacuum. On lowest cost. Lowest cost. Okay. So they had to come back. That's a downside. That you, you focused on lowest cost on that and you, you end up losing more business? Right. That's why I said this has to be a very balanced approach. You have to look at it from a number of different facets and angles. I'm not here to tell you that economics aren't important. They're critical, but they have to be balanced with everything else. Okay. And so I could equate it to a variety of things. You know, we go back to that, those handmade, high-end, crafted briefcases. Somebody's spending $750 on a briefcase. Do they want it in a poly bag thrown up on the front porch by an ununiformed regional carrier? Or do they want it packaged with a certain level of quality and buying experience and brand recognition and great visibility of where it is on the way to the delivery and dealing with a a uniformed, well-presented delivery driver. Well, so it seems logical. What you're saying right now seems very logical. So I guess my question is, how do companies, shippers, know the ins and outs? I mean, you gave one example with a regional carrier. I'm sure there's many others. There are. You, if you're trying to solve this equation on your own, again, I think you're going to come up with a subpar result. This is a situation where you really need some expertise. Okay. You know, imagine bringing somebody in that has the, the experience of working across every industry vertical, every geography, every customer segment size for decades and understands intimately the small parcel market. Um, imagine the amount of landmines they could identify proactively ahead of time and help construct the right type of balanced approach to the marketplace. I think if you go about this without expertise, without help, you're setting yourself up for some hard lessons. Okay. So that makes sense, Glenn. I appreciate that. So let me, let me bring up something that's been on my mind around the customer experience and, and how it should influence your small parcel strategy. We talked earlier about how COVID took uh, e-commerce and, and small parcel. And, and I think you said it fast forward the industry. An easy decade in my opinion. About a decade. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I, I know companies that I work with that uh, ship pet food. 
right? Mm -hmm. And uh, these are 50 pound bags of pet food that these individuals used to, their, their consumers, their customers used to go to a large retailer buy the the pet food loaded up in the shopping cart carry not it around a, not a fun buying experience right? horrible buying experience put it in the car then take it out you know do the whole thing i don't know about you but my wife my wife would not be happy about lugging a 50 pound no way bag of dog food and put it in the back of her car no way god bless her and now these individuals these, these customers that would never buy dog food online it, covid forced them to buy it online you know now they have it delivered to their front doorstep pretty easily Massive convenience factor. Love it, right? They love it. People I've talked to have loved it. So one of the downsides I don't think it, that gets talked about enough. What's that? Is that if you're selling a product and you're used to having your product in a retail store mm -hmm. and you're used to creating a brand around it or, or even a, uh, a display around it. Yeah. Right? There's, there's, a, there's an experience when you yeah, walk in. Yeah, there's an end cap strategy or right. yeah, there's, a, there's a display strategy. Right. Absolutely. Well, well, you don't have that anymore. It's all online. Correct. So, so what I've seen a lot of companies do is now that, that retail presence or that buying experience, we, we've got the shipping side of it where it, it's made it easier to have it delivered. But people, when they open the box, you know, they want to have a, a good experience with it. And so retailers or, or shippers now are forced to create this experience in the packaging that they provide. I agree. You're right. And there, there can be some downsides as you try to build out this packaging, right? There's a lot of gotchas in there. You know, I know, I know one company I talked with, uh, they, they sell high-end shoes and they've had to put a lot of money into the packaging, but guess what that costs them? It money. Tons of money, not just on the cost of the actual packaging, but now their, their product is, is much bigger than it used to be. Right. Correct. And, and carriers don't like that. Right. They don't. You're paying to ship air. You're paying to ship cardboard. You're paying to ship dunnage. Right. Right. And so there needs to be some strategy around that. Right. Right. There has to be a balance of the buying experience with the economic side. And, and heck, how do you financially mitigate your exposure? Right. To that. Right. Right. You bet. And, and it goes back to what you were saying earlier too. I mean, these, you know, are people expecting it in two days or is it okay if it gets there in five? So, so I, what I'm taking away from this is that there's a lot of complexities when it comes to the customer experience and how that shapes your, your small parcel strategy. It's not just as easy as let's pick the cheapest carrier and let's just get it to them. Couldn't agree more, Jake. Couldn't yeah. agree more. I think with that, I think we're pretty close to wrapping up our very first session of Dos Hombres. Awesome. <laughs> um, it was a lot of fun yeah. and uh, we look forward to trying to bring you exciting and relevant topics with a you know within this very complex ever-changing ever-challenging supply chain we're looking forward to it yep so looking forward to uh continued conversations and uh and thank you. Thank you for giving in to listen.